Uh, still, still a lot of people back there getting a donut and coffee. <laughs> They'll work their way in here when they hear the music kick off. I tell you what, let's do. Let's stick our feet, and like we did last week, let's say Merry Christmas on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Stand to your feet if you're able. Look in your praise book, number 58. In your praise book, number 58. You want to keep on the sunny side, right? It's been snowing a little bit up on the mountain. So let's stay on the sunny side today. salvation, Lord God, that you have given us, and we just pray that, Lord, we can uh, praise your name and bless you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to get to the announcements here, but I want to mention that tree that's out in the foyer. So I know everybody's noticed that tree out there, and that's uh, Jackson, Jackson County Foster Children, and their names and ages, or not their, not their names, but whether they're a boy or girl and their ages are on that tree. And there's been over 25 young people helped so far with Christmas presents. Um, 32. For, how many now? 32. There's 32 now, so yeah. that's awesome. So uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, today is the last day, and the presents have to be here by Tuesday morning. So if you want to get a name off our uh, boy or girl off that tree and bring a gift for a foster child in Jackson County. You can still do that. Today's the last day and the present would have to be here for them on Tuesday morning. Okay? 
Thanks, John. So um, this Wednesday evening, we're going to do something a little special, a little different. We're going to do some Christmas caroling. Okay. So we're still going to have our potluck at six and Christmas caroling at six forty-five. So come and just enjoy. Have a have a, um, a nice little song fest. Um, there's a board meeting today after church. Um, the women's Bible study is on hold for now, and we'll let you know when that um, uh, restarts. Men's Bible study, however, is uh, in the book of Romans. Pastor BK is teaching that, and it happens Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and we would invite you to go to that. Uh, let's see. We want to thank Heaven Sent Flowers for all these beautiful flowers. You probably already know this, but just uh, know that the date for our Christmas dinner has been changed. It's now Saturday, the 16th. So that's going to be this next Saturday, yeah, at 2 o'clock. And so um, come and just enjoy and, and eat and all that kind of good stuff. If you want to donate a turkey or a ham for the Christmas dinner, just uh, notify Sharon Vickerin. She's standing up in the back. Probably wants some. Probably yeah, wants. To, probably wants to say something. So, yeah. go ahead. I'm not volunteering, that song, I believe, in your bulletin. So, um, here we go. So I just want to talk for a second about the two prayer trees, or Christmas trees we have up here. They're becoming prayer trees. Um, in front of each one of them is a little box with a tag in it. Take a tag and put your prayer request on it and hang it on the tree. And then take another tag home with you and pray for that special need and and you can bring it back and someone else might do it at home. But um, make sure you get your prayer requests on these two trees. There's boxes of tags in front of each one of them. Well, let's continue worship this morning and let you remain in your seats and just relax and be comfortable. Look in your hymnal, 262 for a wedding in the manger. 262 in your hymnal.
Father, I adore you. 191 in the hymnal. Father, I adore you. Let's uh, stand together. If you're able, we're going to lift up a couple praise choruses this morning. Father, I adore you. Just sing this one out together. Father, I adore your son in, in Jesus Christ, Lord, the only, the one and only Savior of all mankind. And Father, thank you. We just pray that you be glorified by the rest of our service, 
we just ask that, Lord God, you would please fill us with your Holy Spirit and just help us to learn and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
at my guitar so I can get my standing ovation. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to believe this, but this song was written, or was recorded by a good friend of mine named Pat Boone way back in 18, 1958. And uh, just because I like to brag about it, uh, my wife's 70th birthday, he called our home and sang happy birthday over the phone to her. Unfortunately, we weren't there. Um, <laughs> we had gone to see a movie called Woodlawn, which was absolutely wonderful, but he recorded it, and we got to listen to it anyway. But this song is really important to me because, first of all, uh, I sang it at the men's Bible study about a year ago, and my good friend Lucky Shop insisted that I come and sing it for you guys, too. This year, I'm singing it because it really fits what our wonderful teacher, Steve, has been giving us in his weekly sermons. And see if you can pick it out, but it's, a, it's just a fun song and I hope you like it. Well, now, everybody's gonna have religion in glory. Everybody's gonna be singing that story. Everybody's gonna have a wonderful time up there. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is the, is the only thing that will ever last forever, Lord God, from the face of this earth. And Father, we just pray that, Lord, you would uh, keep your promise, Father, that a blessing comes through 
the hearing and the speaking and the doing of the words of revelation. And also, Lord, that you would bless us who have believed but have not seen. And also, Lord, we pray, we claim the promise in Romans that faith comes through the hearing of the words of Christ. And these are the words of Christ. So, Father, just bless them. Give us wisdom, discretion, understanding, and knowledge as we just seek to know you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in Revelation chapter 4. And I've been waiting for a month to get to this particular part of the scripture. And when I studied it again uh, this week, I thought, there's so much more before this scripture i got to bring out. But you know what? I'm bringing it out. That's all there is to it if we're going to do it. So in Revelation chapter 4, it says this. Starting in verse 1, it says, After this I looked. So after this is John writing the seven letters to the seven churches. And that is a conclusion of the church age. This is John is taken up to heaven, either in vision or in person. And it's interesting because in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul experienced the same thing. Did you know that? It says that he, and he speaks in the third person, he says, I knew a man who either in the body or out of the body, in other words, through either a vision or actually getting taken to heaven, was taken up into the third heaven. Now that's God's throne room. That's God's abode. You know, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. And if I go, I will come again, that's the rapture, to take you to where I am. And so Paul went up there and he said, 14 years ago I knew a man that went up to heaven and he heard things that he was not allowed to express. We're going to see when we get into uh, a couple more chapters in, Revel in the book of Revelation that John is, is hearing what the seven thunders say, and the voice says, don't write down what you hear. So John heard something that, I want to know, what did you hear? But maybe we just can't handle that right now, I don't know. So anyway, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, that's in Revelation chapter 1, that's the voice of Jesus Christ, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this, after the seven letters to the churches. At once I was in the Spirit, he says, and there before me was a throne in heaven. And we're going to be looking at that throne a little bit closer today, with someone sitting on it. Now the someone is God the Father, all right? And we know that because in chapter 5, we're going to see God the Son, Jesus Christ, come before the throne and take out of the right hand of God the Father a scroll. That scroll is the title deed to the earth. That scroll contains all of the information that's going to happen from Revelation chapter 6 on. And it's going to be very interesting. So this is God the Father sitting on the throne. And this throne is magnificent. It says here, And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper. Now in these times, jasper was a clear stone like a diamond. So this is probably like a diamond. Remember something. God is light. Now Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world, right? Okay? He said to us, he says, I want you to become lights in a dark place. So think about if God is light, think about him sitting on this throne, and it's a huge throne, it's got to be. And what we're going to see is that his light is shining through these different precious stones. First of all, diamonds. It says here, and carnelian, that's a red, throne, uh, red uh, stone. A rainbow representing an emerald, that's a green stone, circled, encircled the throne. 
The rainbow here stands for the covenant of God. God's promises will always be completed. As the rainbow encircles the throne, God's covenants, His agreements, and His promises will always be kept, not only to us, but to everyone. It says here, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And we saw these thrones being set up in Daniel chapter 7. It says that the thrones were set in place. Now who's on the thrones? It says, and on them were seated 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crown, crowns of gold on their heads. Now these are not angels because angels, first of all, don't have crowns. Angels are dressed in white, but the, the, the dressing in white portrays the righteousness of God the Father that He gives us when we believe in Him. You know, on our own, we have no righteousness. That's what the Bible says. We have none. There is none righteous, no, not one. But with Jesus Christ being born again, Jesus Christ imputes or gives us that righteousness of God so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see a bunch of sinful creatures. He sees His righteousness. He sees the, His creation that He loves. And it's, it's something that is just an amazing miracle. So these are believers. These are believers. Remember, what we're seeing here, okay, from John's perspective, and even from our perspective, is the future. This is after the church age. We have not reached that point yet. We're getting close, but we're not there yet. So he says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. Now who these elders are, I don't know. It could be that maybe these are the, the uh, apostles, maybe they're the uh, people like Barnabas and, and people that we don't really count as apostles. And maybe it's on a rotating schedule like the high priests were. You know, it says in the Bible, it says in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 and in the book of Timothy, that if we endure, if we overcome, we will sit on his throne and reign with him. These are 24 thrones and it's possible that one of us might be sitting on one of these thrones one of these days. That's why Jesus said, listen, if you can't get along with each other, how can you expect to judge angels? And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be judging angels in heaven. So here are these believers, don't know who they are, but they're elders, okay? Angels are not elders. Angels don't get old. Lucky. Guys. Uh, so these are definitely human beings, probably believers. It says they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Those are promises made in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 to overcomers. And who is the overcomer? The Bible says that Jesus overcame the world and we overcome the world through what? Our faith, huh? Our faith in Jesus Christ. We can actually be overcomers through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, it says, from the throne, picture this if you can, came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder, thunder representing the voice coming through the, uh, from the throne. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, these are the seven spirits. In Revelation chapter 1, we saw that the lampstands are the churches. Exactly. And the fire on the lampstands, or the light, is the Holy Spirit. So we see here that it says there are seven lamps and they were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Well, when we went to uh, Isaiah chapter 11... We learned about the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit. Let me give them to you real quick. The Holy Spirit is deity, wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, 
and fear of the Lord or respect for God. That's the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. And if you remember the, the handout I gave you last week, it showed the tabernacle and it showed the temple. If you didn't get one of the handouts, um, contact... They're on the podium. They're on the podium, thank you. And what happens is when you entered into the tabernacle or the temple, you saw the altar of sacrifice. Okay? That portrays the cross where the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was done. Then you came to the brazen, what they call the, the uh, basin or the laver. And what this was, it was a, a large bowl that was held up by bulls. You know, not real bulls, but um, there's no bull there, okay? Uh, it's held up by bulls that were covered with gold. The water was clean and pure, and the priests washed their hands and feet in there before they would go into the temple or tabernacle or the holy place to spread the blood on everything. And that's what this sea here represents. It represents that labor. To come before God, one must be pure. All right? Now, now we come to some interesting things. It says in the center, and I really want you to get this today, because this is, this is, you're going to ask, why is this important? Who are these creatures, and what do they do? Well, I will tell you this, that there are over a hundred references to these creatures in the Bible. hundred references. That's a lot of references to one particular uh, thing. And so God considers them important, and, and so that they are. He says, in the center around the throne were four living creatures. Now, the King James Version says beasts, and I think that that's kind of an unfortunate translation. Maybe not in 1611 it wasn't, but today it kind of is. These are creatures. These are living creatures. In the Hebrew, the word is kerub, K-E-R-U-B. The B is pronounced with a V, kerub. Okay? In the New Testament, um, they are called cherubim. Alright? And a cherub is a single cherub. And cherubim, when you have the I-M, that's a plural. There's more than one. So here's what it says. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. These are creations from God. And they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. And the fourth, fourth was like a flying eagle. So we see here there's four of these living creatures mentioned. And it says that they are covered with eyes in front and back. Now, we've also seen the Bible talk about that God has wings. Okay, he takes us under his wings. God does not have wings. Okay, that's an anthropomorphism. All right, it means it ascribes a human characteristic to something that's not human. Here it says that they have eyes all around. Now, I think what God did is he showed John that these creatures see everything. Okay? They see everything. I think we'll see too in, in uh, chapter 5 that it says that Jesus has uh, eyes all around. So we'll see if that... I don't think he does. I think he has two eyes. But I think he sees everything. Okay? But let's look at the rest of this. The first living creature was like a lion. Now, in Revelation chapter 4, it emphasizes God as the creator. The lion is the king of the wild beasts. Alright? The next living creature, the second, was like an ox. An ox is the king of the tamed beasts. Okay? It's the worker. The third will have a face like a man. A man or humankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. And, you know, 
I don't think we realize that. I don't think that we realize that we are the pinnacle of God's creation. When Adam was created, he was created perfect. You know, it's said, the scientists or whoever, they say, well, you know, the best humans only use 10%, up to 10% of their brain, right? I'd probably challenge that. I think it's a little lower than that, okay? Uh, I really do. But think about this for just a minute. If, let's just say, if we only use 10% of our brain, before Adam sinned, what would the other 90% be like? He was a superhuman. He was very intelligent. Adam was created with super intelligence. He named all of the animals and plants. That's what the Bible says. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time remembering what I did yesterday, let alone naming all the plants and animals, right? So, the third face was like the face of a man, which is the pinnacle of God's creation. It says that the fourth had a, a face like a flying eagle. A flying eagle is the king of the air. So we've got the king of the wild beasts, king of the tame beasts, the pinnacle of God's creation, and the king of the air. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that these creatures, whatever they are, whoever they are, are representative of God's creative abilities. I don't know if you've ever uh, thought about this, but you know, have you ever thanked God for a sense of humor? God does have a sense of humor. He saved you and me, okay? Have you ever thanked God for His creation, His creative abilities? Think about the beauty that we have on the face of this earth. And can you imagine what it was like before sin entered the world? It must have been, I mean, it's just hard to imagine. And it's going to be recreated that way during the millennium. The millennium is going to be the Garden of Eden recreated. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Now, so, it says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Well, how does, how do you see when your eyes are covered under your wings? You know? I mean, so it's got to represent something else. It's got to represent that these creatures are very smart. They're very intelligent. They are um, uh, very observant. It says this, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. That's the Trinity, isn't it? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Jesus Christ used this same exact uh, description of himself. He says, I, uh, I, I am the first and I am the last, right? He says this, now listen. Verse 9. Whenever the living creatures... Now, these living creatures, I'm going to prove to you, are cherubim. Okay, so whenever the cherubim give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him, that's God the Father, who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, and this may be a song, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Now this, the number one reason for worship here in chapter 4, for you created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. So what do we say, see first of all about these four living creatures? First of all, they represent the pinnacle of all of God's creation, right? Secondly, is apparently they lead worship. It says, night and day, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, is, and is to come. What else do these creatures do? Well, let's go over to chapter 5 real quick, okay? 
And look at verse 6. Okay? 5. And I'm going to start in verse... I guess it is verse 6. It says this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Well, this is another anthropomorphism, isn't it? Is Jesus Christ a lamb? A literal lamb? No. No, he's not a... Bah. He's a person. But he's the lamb... He the lamb that was sacrificed in the Old Testament is representative of the Lamb of God who was sacrificed on the cross. It says this. It says, Then I saw a lamb. In fact, in the verse before this, it says, See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So Jesus is described as the lion and now he's described as a lamb looking as it had been slain. Listen to this. Standing in the center of the throne. Jesus Christ, looking as a lamb that had been slain, is standing in the center of the throne, and John is seeing this. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had, this is speaking of Jesus, seven horns and seven eyes. Okay, let me ask you this. Does Jesus have seven horns and seven eyes? No. no. I mean, he'd be a pretty funny looking dude. What is this speaking of? The horns speak of power. Jesus Christ has perfect power. Seven eyes speak of perfect vision. Jesus Christ has complete and perfect vision. It says here, He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's God the Father, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the cherubim, and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp. Now we're bringing music into this thing. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are held in heaven to be answered when God's timing is perfect and complete. And I will tell you this, generally speaking, His timing is different than ours. It just is. Okay? It says this, the, the, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Here's the song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. With your blood you purchased men for God, and this is really good news, from every tribe every language, every people group, and every nation. You have made them, these people, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will what? Reign. Reign on the earth. So he's talking about us. Alright? Now, so what have we seen so far? We've seen that these creatures are very intelligent, they, they are very observant, and they lead worship both in prayer and in song. What else do we see? Well, look at Revelation chapter 6 and go to verse 1. Jesus Christ is opening this scroll, and it says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. <coughs> then I heard one of the four living creatures, the cherubim, say in a voice like thunder, Come. This probably should be translated, go. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, I won't go over this today, but this is the Antichrist coming into the world. We're going to see in when he opens the second seal, the third seal, the fourth seal, each one of the living creatures are there helping to administrate God's justice by saying, come, come on, go, go horsemen, go and bring the judgment 
on the earth that God has planned. Let's look at another one. Let's look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. It says, after this, is that right? Make sure, let me make sure I'm right here. 7 verse 11, excuse me. 7 11. Okay, 7 11. Now I'm going to start in verse 9. 7 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So what does that tell us? That tells us that even in the darkest, remotest portions of the earth, in New Guinea, where the pygmies live, in Africa, in Asia, in all these places where we say, well, what about the people, you know, who live in... Here it says every nation, every language, every person is going to hear. In Romans chapter 1, it says that the creation testifies about the Creator, there is a God. There is a God. There is a God. So when the pygmy in North, in, uh, in New Guinea, perhaps he hasn't heard the gospel of Christ, but perhaps he looks at creation and he says, there is a God. God looks at that. And he takes that into consideration because that is a testimony about God. Now we know for sure that God is fair and that every single person on the face of the earth will be given a chance to hear a message of salvation, accept it, and be saved. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, God's not going to say, hey, too bad you live in New Guinea. Didn't have anybody to go over there at the time. Not going to work. So listen to, what, listen to this. It says this. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, and the four living creatures, you'll notice that they're separated. God does not include these four living creatures as angels because they're probably not angels. They are a special creation. Okay? It says, They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We also see, and we're not going to turn there because we just don't have time, but in Revelation 14.3, in 15.7, and 19.4, the cherubim also are involved in uh, uh, the judgment of God and in worshiping in the worship of God. But I want to talk to you right now about the first time that the Bible talks about these cherubim. And you don't have to turn there. You can just stay in Revelation for now. But listen to what it says here. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've disobeyed God They've eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil as God told them not to do. And now God has to protect them from eating from the tree of life. You see, if Adam and Eve would have eaten from the tree of ate from the tree of life after they sinned, there would have been no salvation. There would have been no salvation that they could have gotten because they would have they would have taken of that tree of life and that would have given them an eternality in sin. Listen to what God did. This is Genesis 3.24. He says, After he, this is God, drove the man, after he, after he drove the man out of the garden, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden 
cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So these cherubim, these four living creatures, are also guardians. There's one each at every corner of the throne. And I want you to picture this throne, too, as a chariot. Because it is a chariot. The Bible does describe it as a chariot. If you want to, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, Ezekiel is in the very crisp pages of your Bible. Okay? Unfortunately, we don't study it enough. It's an amazing scripture. And uh, I think that you'll find it amazing. Ezekiel chapter 1, I'll wait till you get there. So you've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is right before Daniel. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 1. Listen to what it says. This is Ezekiel writing. Ezekiel was a prophet, and I believe his name is, name means God is my strength. In the thirteenth year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, is that in the 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, like I said, <laughs> while I was among the exiles, the exiles were the people that had been taken from uh, uh, Israel into slavery. They were exiles. By the Kibar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. It's amazing how detailed the Bible is, isn't it? The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, or Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. So Ezekiel is there in the land of Babylonia. There the hand of the Lord was upon him. I looked, now this goes into the first person, Ezekiel is speaking. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was that of a man, but each one of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had the hands of a man. All four of them had faces and wings and their wings touched one another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a man. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left side, the face of an ox. And each also had the face of an eagle. Where have we heard that before? Hmm. Such were their faces, their wings were spread out upward. Each had two wings, one touching the wing of another, creature on either side, and two wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of these living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. These living creatures look like torches. We're going to see also that they have lightning that flashes between them. It says, fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. Now remember, I am describing the throne of God right now. That's what I'm describing here to you. Okay, so when we think about what we're hearing right now, we're, we're, we're in picturing the throne of God. He says, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with the four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like chrysolite. That's yellow and gold and green. And all four looked alike. So there's four wheels. 
Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not turn about as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. And if you look at the handout that I gave you last week, do you see the um, gyroscope? Now that's the best I could do to try to show you what a wheel in a wheel looks like. And if you know anything about a gyroscope, a gyroscope keeps perfect balance. I don't know if you knew this or not, but airplanes have gyroscopes in them. The space shuttles and all the rockets have gyroscopes in them. They're used for navigation. They're used for, uh, for stability, etc. And it looks like God's throne has gyroscopes. Four of them, one on each corner or something at least that's like a gyroscope. All right? I mean, it's the best we can do. Now, let's go on. It says in verse 19, when the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved. And when the cre living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels, when the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them. Because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. This is so important that Ezekiel repeats himself. I cannot tell you what it means that the spirit was in the wheels. That's just a mystery. I, just, I don't understand that myself. Now listen to this. And I want you to picture what we talked about in Revelation chapter 4. What John saw before the throne. The lightning. The thunder. The, the crystal sea, okay? Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like an expanse sparkling like ice and awesome. Diamonds sparkle like ice, don't they? And ice sparkles like diamonds. Under the expanse, there were, their wings were stretched out one toward the other and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. That's amazing. So these creatures, when they move, it's interesting, they, they move like a gyroscope. They, they, they move, they go forward, they go sideways, they go backwards, but they don't need to turn. Okay? The wheels go up with them. These creatures are guardians of the throne of God. And somehow the wheels have something to do with all of this uh, paraphernalia around the throne. Listen to the rest of this. It says this, verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the expanse over the heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. This is an azure blue. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full on fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow. Where did we see that? So was the radiance around him. This was, now listen, he tells us exactly what it is. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Now, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 10, okay? Ezekiel chapter 10, real quick. Now, start in verse 1. How long has it been since you read Ezekiel chapter 10? Don't answer that. 
Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 1. This is Ezekiel speaking again. He says, I looked and I saw the likeness of a throne. So he's describing the throne of God again. Of sapphire above the expanse that was over the heads of what? The cherubim. The Lord said to the man in 